Shalom, brothers and sisters. I'm Brother Sid. I have Brother Corey assisting me today. We are the Commandment Keepers Church. Uh, we have a detailed lesson prepared for our brothers and sisters internationally. Today's lesson will be called A God to be Feared. A God to be Feared, brothers and sisters. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So without it, you could never be considered wise, according to the Bible. So we have to learn the fear of the Most High before we can appreciate His grace, brothers and sisters. A God to be feared. We're going to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to read verse 3, brothers and sisters. Please follow us. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3. But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Brothers and sisters, the command with the warning was simplistic. The command that he gave Eve, which was if you eat of this fruit, you will die. It was very simplistic. Could you read that one more time, brother? Verse 3. But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. So, brothers and sisters, as we've previous state, previously stated, the command, the warning, the judgment was very simplistic. But the tactic Satan used was complex, brothers and sisters. And guess what? Similar efforts would be made to seduce us. That's why he says, but I fear that by any means, as the serpent tricked Eve, that our minds would be corrupted. Why? Because he would use the same tactic brothers and sisters we're going to go into one of those tactics we have to go back to genesis chapter 3 in order to see how the serpent beguiled eve through his subtility brothers and sisters follows back to the beginning brothers and sisters we're going to genesis chapter 3 we're going to have brother Corey read verse 1 through 5 genesis 3 verse 1 now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the lord god had made and he said unto the woman, Yeah, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now, brothers and sisters, look at this clearly, because Paul gives the key on how Satan would look to beguile the world. The answer is what we're reading here. Verse 2, And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it. Neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Lest what, brother? Lest ye die. And what did Satan say? Verse 4, And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. He said what, brother? Ye shall not surely die. So Satan began to undermine the fear of God in her immediately, brothers and sisters. He said, You surely will not die. So he lured her into relinquishing her fear of God. Telling her, listen, you have the wrong concept of God. You think God would try to keep something from you? You think God would, you know, would kill you or let you die because you broke his law? Because you ate some fruit? You, you need to get to know God better. See, this is what he did, brothers and sisters. Could you read verse 3 one more time, brother? Verse 3. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, ye shall not eat of it. Neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. So look, he challenged her fear of the Most High, 
brothers and sisters. And we're here to tell you that any teaching that undermines the fear of God is a cursed brothers and sisters. Verse five, for God doth not doth know, excuse me, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open. Now that's key because her eyes were open already. What is he referring to here? He's saying your conscience will be open. See, the most high as our parent want to protect our conscience from certain things, brothers and sisters. Because why? You don't know what it's like to miss something you've never experienced. He doesn't want you to be conscious of how cocaine feels. He doesn't want you to be conscious of how sex feels until you can do it legally, you know, within the parameters of a marriage, brothers and sisters. See, so the Most High as a parent wants to protect our conscience or wanted to protect our conscience in this particular text. The same way if you have children, you don't want your children listening to certain things or seeing certain things. Why? Because then you have to battle your conscience. You can never miss something you have never experienced, brothers and sisters. But look, he tries to convince her that God was withholding something from her. Could you read five one more time, brother? Verse five. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened. And ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So, brothers and sisters, we have a whole society devoid of the fear of the Most High, brothers and sisters. And it starts here. It started right here. The first thing he did was challenge her fear of the Most High, brothers and sisters, by telling her, God, you think God would kill you for that? Listen, you need to learn more about God. You have the wrong concept of God. You think he would kill you for being disobedient? See, this is what Christians say, brothers and sisters. So you have to be very, very careful with any level of teaching from an Israelite or Christian or anyone else that would jeopardize or call into question our fear for the creator, brothers and sisters. Let us show you. Brother Corey, let's jump to Psalms, brother. We're going to Psalms. We're sticking in the Old Testament. We're going to chapter 34, verse 11. Psalms 34 and 11. Come, ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. I will do what, brother? I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Notice that the fear of the Most High doesn't come naturally, brothers and sisters. It must be learned, brothers and sisters. That's why we're here today. Could you read that one more time, brother? Verse 11. Come, ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. See, so this particular text indicates that we do not have this characteristic in us by nature, brothers and sisters. The fear of God is a quality that we must learn, brothers and sisters. So we're going to utilize the Bible to highlight uh, some key things that we must implement within our spiritual life in order to possess what the Bible calls the fear of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, he said, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. So if you haven't been taught the fear of the Lord, then you don't, you know, none of us properly understands it or how to not only experience it, brothers and sisters, but how to act on it or how to apply it, brothers and sisters. Hearken unto me, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Follow us to Psalms 86. Brothers and sisters, we're going to stay in the same book, just 
a few chapters forward. We're going to Psalms 86 and verse 11. Psalms 86 verse 11. Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. Could you read that one more time, brother? Verse 11. Teach me thy way, O Lord. Do what? Teach me thy way, O Lord. So he confesses himself ignorant until God has taught him. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. Unite my heart to fear thy name. So we must be taught how to properly reverence and honor the Most High, brothers and sisters. We have a natural deficiency of godly fear, according to this literature, brothers and sisters. It says, unite my heart to the fear of thy name. I can only be united to the fear if you teach it to me. That's the key. Christians are not teaching this, brothers and sisters. And most Israelites, to be quite frankly, are not teaching this. They want to be focused on all the things that, I mean, I think a lot of the youth think are cool. I want to have something that... You know, other people don't have. I want to be able to teach something that other people um, haven't learned. When you have to start at the basics, brothers and sisters. Could you read that one more time, brother? Verse 11. Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. Unite our hearts to fear his name. See, when you deal with a Christian, brothers and sisters, you have to ask direct questions. In which you can get a yes or no answer. Because, I mean, Christians know how to do some gymnastics, brothers and sisters. They will dance around, <laughs> the, you know, a question if it's not a yes or no question. This is something I've learned in order to teach them, brothers and sisters. You have to ask a direct question. Do you fear the Most High? Yes or no. That's a yes or no. How do you fear the Most High if you do? See? So this is the way, brothers and sisters, in which you can... Uh, help spread this truth, the, the, the truth of the gospel, brothers and sisters. And it first starts with fearing the Most High, because with that fear comes a, a certain level of respect, brothers and sisters. I mean, Christians have convinced us, not just Christians, but, you know, um, these teachers and so-called scholars, um, they have convinced us, brothers and sisters, that we ought not to fear the Most High because he's just love. You know, there's no reason for us to fear this. The same way we feared our parents in our adolescence and our youth, that same fear on a higher level should be designated for the most high brothers and sisters, not to fear a woman, not to fear man, but to fear the God that put breath into your lungs, brothers and sisters. And today we are going to learn that through biblical literature. Now. How do we learn it, brothers and sisters? What is the method the Most High uses to instill fear? We're going to go to Jeremiah 32 and 40, brothers and sisters. Follow us to Jeremiah, because this is his method that he uses, brothers and sisters. Jeremiah 32, verse 40. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them, that I will not turn away from them to do them good. But I will put my fear in their hearts. But I will put my fear in their hearts that they shall not depart from me. Look at that, brothers and sisters. But I will put my fear in their hearts. If we haven't found this fear, we need to find it 
and fast, brothers and sisters. Why? Because he has promised to dismantle our entire life, if not, if, if being negligent concerning this particular wisdom, brothers and sisters. If somebody put fear in your heart, remember as a child when we went to school and the bully said, meet me after school at two o'clock, I'm going to beat your butt up. That fear. <laughs> he said, I will put fear in your heart. Why? Because it'll cause you to behave in a way in which you will not depart from me. Brothers and sisters, could you read that one more time, brother? Verse 40. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from them to do them good. But I will put my fear in their hearts that they shall not depart from me. Brothers and sisters, his method of instilling fear has always been calamity brothers and sisters it has all it has always been calamity because we ought to fear the repercussions we are to fear the consequences we are to fear his power brothers and sisters so this is key we have to go into the bible to show you how he instills that fear because if he instills fear through calamity then you're going to want to find it fast brothers and sisters you're going to want to find it fast we're going to go to isaiah we're going to have Brother Corey read, um, we're going to Isaiah chapter 66. We're going to read verse 4, brothers and sisters. Isaiah 66, verse 4. I also will choose their delusions and will bring their fears upon them. And do what, brother? And will bring their fears upon them. Because, I, because when I called, none did answer. Because what, brother? When I called, none did answer. When I spake, they did not hear. But they did evil before mine eyes and chose that which I delighted not. And chose what, brother? That which I delighted not. Now, that's key. Because if our choices do not delight him, what he chooses will be far from delightful from you, brothers and sisters. It says, I will bring their fears upon them. So when we operate against his will, you'll find out that you're really operating against yourself, brothers and sisters. Listen closely to the words coming out of Brother Corey's mouth here, brothers and sisters. Could you read that again? Verse 4. I also will choose their delusions and will bring their fears upon them. You will meet your greatest fears and frustrations on the very road you took to avoid them. Because when I called, none did answer. When I spake, they did not hear. Brothers and sisters. Look at this. The very thing that you ignored him concerning is what he's going to use to eviscerate us, brothers and sisters. But they did evil before mine eyes and chose that which I delighted not. See, so if we choose to work wickedness, he will choose the consequences, brothers and sisters. Why? Because he has to instill the fear of God in our hearts. See, so he said, I will bring the fear upon him. And then he gives... The reason why, brothers and sisters, because we ignore his instruction, because we neglect his instruction, brothers and sisters. This is how he instills fear. So if you fear him, the most important thing to you is pleasuring the most high before yourself, before anyone else, brothers and sisters, before anyone else have to come pleasing the God that created you and created I. Brothers and sisters, that's how we, that's how we show the evidence of our fear. And it says, and chose that in which I delighted not. See, 
we should have the fear to want to, you know, we should have the fear to want to always please him. The same way if any of us grew up with our fathers, I know many of us did not, but we were afraid to, uh, to disappoint brothers and sisters. That same, that same feeling we ought to implement and apply today. I will bring their fears upon them. So it's your greatest fear that he's going to use to put you into subjection, brothers and sisters. That's the key. We're going to go to Psalms 119 and 120, brothers and sisters. A God to be feared. A God to be feared, brothers and sisters. What does verse 120 say, Brother Corey? <clears throat> Psalms. 119 verse 120 My flesh trembleth for fear of thee I am afraid of thy judgment Look at that It's the judgment Brothers and sisters The dread of his wrath Should prompt us to holiness Brothers and sisters Could you read that again brother Verse 120 My flesh trembleth for fear of thee And I am afraid of thy judgment See If it's authentic fear It should propel us towards obedience in godliness, brothers and sisters, my flesh trembleth, it tells you. <laughs> we are afraid of his judgments. Now, how can you be afraid of his judgments if you have never experienced it? Now, that's where the mercy comes in, brothers and sisters, because he always has mercy. He'll give you, you know, he'll tap you. He'll tap you without killing you, brothers and sisters, because he wants you to learn. He doesn't want to kill you, brothers and sisters. He doesn't take pleasure in killing he takes pleasure in correcting for, you know, for us to be better in the uh, in the long run, brothers and sisters. For me personally, I've had to experience this. And once I experienced this, uh, brothers and sisters, and I understood that things were not coincidental, um, a, a new level of commitment arose in me because I was afraid and I continue to be afraid no matter how old I get. Brothers and sisters, that will keep you on that straight and narrow path to fear his judgments. Moses, look at what happened with Moses, brothers and sisters, where he was negligent concerning one thing and that judgment cost him the promised land. He told Moses, listen, they can complain and, and be disobedient, but not you. You know better. You're too close to me. You should know better. So we learn from that, brothers and sisters. And we ought to fear his judgments. That is how he instills the fear is through his judgments, through his consequences, brothers and sisters. Let's show you. Brothers and sisters, please follow us to Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 13. Consider the work of God. For who can make that straight which he hath made crooked? Look at that. Consider the work of God, brothers and sisters, when there's affliction, when there's trouble, brothers and sisters. Because why? You'll learn that affliction is very useful and profitable because it helps inseminate us with the fear of the Most High. Verse 14. In the day of prosperity, be joyful. But in the day of adversity, consider. Consider. Why? Because there's a purpose behind the affliction. Affliction is instrumental in stimulating many to seek the most high. We listen real good 
when things are not going right, brothers and sisters. But it seems like we become lackadaisical, brothers and sisters, when things start to go uh, in favor for us. The Bible tell you many times when we were fed to the full, it is at that point we became lackadaisical, uh, brothers and sisters, and began to compromise. It's when you, you're really in a struggle when you can't be delivered only through his hand that we listen very good, brothers and sisters, unfortunately. Verse 14, in the day of, in the day of prosperity, be joyful, but in the day of adversity, consider God also had set the one over against the other to the end that man should find nothing after him. When it says he have set the one over against the other, he's saying he, he's the reason why things are conflicting. He's the reason why things are not going smoothly, brothers and sisters. So what we're learning is that when we are afflicted, we should inquire if the affliction is because of sins we have committed, brothers and sisters. Why? Because generally there's a connection between suffering and sin. Brothers and sisters. So he's saying, consider the work of the Most High. This is his work. Because he's in control of everything. So he can make things go smoothly. Or he can have things uh, be a crooked path. And ra uh, rugged, brothers and sisters. How, why does he do this? To instill the fear in us. That he's in control, brothers and sisters. And he can make your path crooked. Brothers and sisters, in the day of prosperity, be joyous, be joyful. But in adversity, consider the work of God, brothers and sisters. This is very, very critical because this is how we learn the fear of God. When you put two and two together and understand that my affliction is being controlled by the creator, then you learn to respect him and to learn, you learn how to please him. That becomes your number one priority, understanding that he's a God to be feared. And he's in total control, brothers and sisters. Further proof, we're going to go to Ecclesiasticus in the Apocrypha. Not Ecclesiastes, but Ecclesiasticus. We're going to go to uh, chapter 4. We're going to read verse 16 and 17, brothers and sisters. Ecclesiasticus 4 and 16. If a man commit himself unto her, he shall inherit her, and his generation shall hold her in possession. Now this is talking about the Holy Spirit or wisdom, brothers and sisters. Verse 17. For at the first she will walk with, with him by crooked ways. So in the beginning when you don't really uh, comprehend, she'll walk with you. Uh, even when you're still uh, making miscalculations. And bring fear and dread upon him. And do what? And bring fear and dread upon him. And torment him with her discipline. Until she may trust his soul. Until what, brother? Until she may trust his soul. And try him by her laws. Now look at that, brothers and sisters. Much of our suffering is the punishment or consequences of sin. What we're learning here is affliction is the fruit of sin. Could you read those two one more time, brother? Verse 16. If a man commit himself unto her, he shall inherit her, and his generation shall hold her in possession. For at the first she will walk with him by crooked ways. So we've already established that your way is crooked. And bring fear and dread upon him. So the fear comes because of the crooked way. And torment him with her discipline. And that's discipline that instills fear. 
until she may trust his soul. Exactly. Look at that, brothers and sisters. <laughs> Look at that. It's the discipline. It's the fear that has now been instilled that will allow the Most High and the Holy Spirit to uh, have confidence that they can trust you, brothers and sisters. You can't be trusted until you show that you fear, brothers and sisters. So what we're learning is God uses suffering to expose the sin that clings to our hearts. Until she may trust his soul and try him by her laws. So suffering serves as a cleanser deterring us from greater sin, brothers and sisters. And I always remember that you can't get away. Nothing is coincidence. Brother Corey and I, we did a lesson a while back um, talking about the power of purpose and time. Where we utilize the Bible to illustrate, to magnify the point that nothing happens by coincidence, brothers and sisters. Including affliction. Affliction is how, it's how he teaches us to fear him, brothers and sisters. To fear his discipline, to fear his judgment. That will stimulate us, it should stimulate us, to do the right thing, brothers and sisters. And to always be cognizant of, um, you know, wanting to please him. And not wanting to disappoint him, brothers and sisters. So this is, this is key here. Because it's impossible to experience the kingdom of heaven if you don't fear the king, brothers and sisters. A healthy fear. There's a difference of being afraid and fearing, brothers and sisters. There's a difference. We'll go into that a little bit further. Uh, let's go to Daniel, brother. Uh, we're going to go to Daniel chapter 4 and we're going to go to 24. Daniel 4 and 24. This is the interpretation, O king. And this is the decree of the Most High. Which has come upon my Lord the King. Now, we've already discussed that he brings on affliction to teach fear. Now, this is Nebuchadnezzar, brothers and sisters, the king of Babylon. And the Most High had to inflict, uh, had to uh, afflict this particular brother in order for him to display humility and fear. And we're showing you this. He had a dream. And the dream was interpreted, and this was the interpretation of his dream brothers and sisters, or his vision. Could you read 24 one more time, brother? Verse 24. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord the king, that they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make thee to eat grass and not as oxen, and they shall wet thee with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over thee, Till thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men. Till what, brother? Till thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. So here it is, brothers and sisters. The interpretation of his dream is that spirits would drive him crazy. It would drive him to dwell in the fields, where it says, And thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and you will eat grass like oxen so he would be mad brothers and sisters he would start to act like a barbarian he would begin to eat you know uh food of animals brothers and sisters and why because the most high wanted to instill fear in him this is the interpretation 
Brother Corey, could you read 26? Verse 26. And whereas they commanded to leave the stump of the tree roots, thy kingdom shall be sure unto thee. After that, thou shalt have known that the heavens do rule. After what, brother? After that, thou shalt have known that the heavens do rule. So after the fulfillment of this particular vision, then you shall know that the heavens do rule. You don't rule anything, Nebuchadnezzar. The Most High allowed you to have rulership because he started to get too big for his britches, brothers and sisters, and the Most High had to humble him. And show them really who was in charge. Who was to be feared. Above any ruler. King Pharaoh. Anyone that walked the earth. There's one. That had ultimate control. Over even the kings. Brothers and sisters. Uh, jump to verse 34. Brother please. Verse 34. And at the end of. The days I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes into heaven. Actually, let's actually jump up, brother. Let's jump to, uh, let's jump to verse 33. Daniel 4 and 33. The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from men, and did eat grass as oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven. Till his hairs were grown like eagle, eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. Now, brothers and sisters, he began to look like a caveman. He had hair all over where he looked like a, an animal. His nails were down to the ground, brothers and sisters. And, First, and, excuse me. And the key part was that it says, and he was driven from men, which means he was put out of his kingdom, brothers and sisters. <clears throat> His kingdom that he cared so much about. See, that's what the Most High was saying. I will bring their fear in their heart. The one thing that he feared most is what the Most High showed him I can take from you, which was his rulership. He was driven from men, which means he was driven from his authority. He was driven from his palace. He was driven from his empire. That's what he feared, brothers and sisters. And that's what the Most High used against him. Could you read that one more time, brother? Verse 34, or 33, the same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from men, and did eat grass as oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till his hairs were grown like eagle's feathers, and his nails like bird's claws. And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes into heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me. My understanding returned unto me because, brothers and sisters, he could not even speak. He couldn't speak. He had gone mad. The Most High had put a spirit of madness on him where he couldn't even formulate a proper sentence, brothers and sisters, or speak words. Verse 34. And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me. And I blessed the Most High. What did he do, brother? I blessed the Most High. And I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion. And his kingdom is from generation to generation. Brothers and sisters, look at this reformation. <laughs> look at this reform now. Once the fear was placed in his heart, he, he, he was singing a different tune. How do we know? Read verse 35, please, brother. Verse 35. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven. 
and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand. And what? And none can stay his hand, or say unto him, What doest thou? So he's saying, listen, no one can question the Most High. No one can stop the Most High. Really look at this reformation here. Look at this transformation here. Look at this rehabilitation here, brothers and sisters. <laughs> After the Most High struck fear in his heart that he could take away the thing he the thing he he held closest, the thing he held dearest, he came and he sung a different tune, saying, Listen, everyone on earth, including me, are reputed as nothing compared to him. The most high can do what he wants, when he wants, however he wants, and no one can stop him. See? So this is conclusive evidence on how he teaches, brothers and sisters. He instructs us by his chastisements, brothers and sisters. So we're learning here. Afflictions tend to restrain our appetites and passions within reasonable bounds, brothers and sisters. That's what we read here. See, this is how he instills that fear. And that's why we said uh, in the beginning of our broadcast that if you have not found that fear, you better do it in quickly, brothers and sisters. Because you don't want to have to get to what we're reading here for you in, in order for you to reform, in order for you to be rehabilitated, brothers and sisters. Because you cannot beat the Most High. Your arms are not long enough to box with him, brothers and sisters. So you... It would behoove all of us to display that particular fear before he break you down to your knees, including me, brothers and sisters, including me. Let's go to Psalms, brother, uh, 119 and 67. If he could do that to Nebuchadnezzar, brothers and sisters, may he not do it to me and you? 119 and 67. Psalms 119 and 67. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. What did I say, brother? Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now have I kept thy word. But what, brother? But now have I kept thy word. Look at that. He often sends affliction to reveal our hidden evils, brothers and sisters. Many have learned godly fear under affliction. It says, could you read that one more time? Verse 67, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. Now, this is key because we are naturally unwilling to blame ourselves for anything. But here the psalmist is saying, I was afflicted because before that, prior to that, as a precursor, I went astray. <laughs> See, look at that, brothers and sisters, to show you when you go astray, there's consequences for that. Brothers and sisters, and those consequences is what instills fear in you. The same way the Most High tell us to uh, discipline our children. Why? Because our children need to fear that disappointing their mother and father will lead to what the Most High said has to happen. And that would, you know, of course, when I was getting a spanking and different things as a young man, I, I really didn't want to hear that. <laughs> you know, but as I got older, I learned... You know, the older I got, the smarter my parents seemed because it was those same things that I hated as a young man, as an adolescent, that got me to where I am today. And all of us, if you, you know, if you grew up in our community, you got spanked, brothers and sisters. And sometimes, depending on some parts of the South, you got spanked by the neighbors. 
by the people down the street, you will get spanked. Why? Because this is how the Most High instills that fear in us. Not that you know we, you know, we're gonna hurt hurt somebody or something like that. But it's the fear of disappointing who the Most High have set in authority over us, brothers and sisters. So it's the same way when we become adults and we we walk into adulthood. You may be an adult to people around you, but you're not an adult to him. You're his child. I'm his child, brothers and sisters. And as long as we continue to go astray, he will continue to afflict us, brothers and sisters. We're going to read 67 one more time, and then we're going to jump to verse 71. Verse 67. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. Uh, Verse 71, brother. 71. It is good for me that I have been afflicted. What did he say, brother? It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. Now that's key, brothers and sisters. Why? Because we rarely yield obedience to the Most High until we're compelled by his chastisements. Could you read that one more time, brother? Psalms 119 and 71. It is good for me that I have been afflicted. That I might learn thy statutes. See? So afflictions are sometimes used as schooling for God's people. For the children of Israel. Brothers and sisters. Now I know in other cultures things are different. But we're Israelites. And it was always. We had become accustomed to what we're reading right here. And see this is somebody that the Most High can be happy with. A person that says it was good for me that I had been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes because the whole affliction was to teach you. So the key is that's why we must consider the work of the Most High because how can we learn the lesson if we don't know what's coming from him? If we just believe, oh, this was coincidence. No, it wasn't a coincidence. Examine yourself and what you're doing now, are we saying all afflictions are coming from that? No, we're not saying that. But a great majority of them. So at least exasperate all your options, brothers and sisters, and start to examine yourself. Sometimes, you know, it's just a trial. It's a test to, be, uh, to build your faith. But most times, brothers and sisters, most times, it's based on us purposely doing something wrong, brothers and sisters, and trying to get away with it. He said it was good for me that I was afflicted. Why? Because through that affliction, I would learn thy statutes. That's the fear. That's the fear, brothers and sisters. Can you jump to verse uh, 75, brother? Psalms 119 and 75. I know, O Lord, that thy judgments are right, and that thou in faithfulness has afflicted me. Mm, That's key. That's powerful, brothers and sisters. Why? Because his faithfulness obligates him to compensate us with discipline brothers and sisters based on the words from his mouth he cannot allow us to get away with insubordination so compensation for disobedience is as guaranteed as gravity could you read that one more time brother verse 75 i know O lord that thy judgments are right and that thou in thy faithfulness has afflicted me. That is powerful. That last phrase, and thou in thy faithfulness has afflicted me. That's one of the most powerful texts in all of the Bible, brothers and sisters. Especially in Psalms. Because affliction demonstrates God's faithfulness. And once I learned this, I stopped trying to get over. <laughs> 
because I understood by law, by his own law, he cannot let me get away. So the most high has to be consistent. That's what makes him so great is that he's consistent. You do the right thing, reward. You do the wrong thing, spanking. Spiritual spanking, brothers and sisters. It's the faithfulness that has afflicted me. Once I understood that as a young man, I, I transformed myself. I rehabilitated myself because I understood that if he is as faithful as I believe him to be, there's no way he can allow me to get away with this. There's no way. And we need our young men, especially our young men, to understand that, brothers and sisters. You're not going to get away. Because if he allows you to get away, that brings his faithfulness, that brings his reputation into question, brothers and sisters. And the most important thing to a king is his reputation. That's the most important thing to a king, brothers and sisters. So what we did was we went to scriptures to show you how he instills fear in us, brothers and sisters. Because it's that fear that will keep you on the straight and narrow path into the kingdom, brothers and sisters. To magnify that, we're going to go to Ecclesiasticus. We're going back into, into the Apographer, brothers and sisters. We're going to have Brother Corey read Ecclesiasticus 7 and 36. Ecclesiasticus 7 and 36. Whatsoever thou takest in thy hand, remember the end. Do what? Remember the end, and thou shalt never do amiss. See? So a healthy fear of God includes the fear of the consequences of disobedience, brothers and sisters. Could you read that one more time, brother? Verse 36. Whatsoever thou takest in hand, remember the end. Now this is key, brothers and sisters. It says remember the end. How can you remember something that hasn't happened? Exactly. See, that's the point of understanding that the affliction is coming from him. So you can remember the end of previous disobedience, brothers and sisters. So the first thing when something is transpiring or spiraling out of control, the first thing we ought to do is to examine ourselves and say, well, hold on. Did I sow good seed? Like in the gospel, when those tears sprung up and the first thing they said was, well, I, I sowed good seed. So that leads me to believe that they examined themselves to say, is there something I did? That would warrant this particular affliction falling into my lap, brothers and sisters. Could you read that one more time, brother? Verse 36. Whatsoever thou takest in hand, remember the, remember the end, and thou shalt never do amiss. See, he's saying, remember the consequences of the last time that you went off track, and you'll never do amiss. So it's showing us that godly fear keeps us in continual consciousness of the gravity of our disobedience, brothers and sisters. So our heart should be perpetually governed by this fear, brothers and sisters. As, as some of us that grew up with a, you know, a male in the house, you know, you're thinking about what my dad gonna say when I get home, or what, you know, what my mom gonna say, or whatever the case, whoever was the disciplinary, you know, is it worth it? The Bible tells you if you consider. If you consider the work of God in previous transgressions, brothers and sisters, or as a result of previous transgressions, you'll never do amiss. See, this is how he teaches us the fear, brothers and sisters. 
That's why Ecclesiastes chapter 7 was very important. When he said in the day of prosperity, enjoy it. But in the day of affliction, consider his work. Why? Because it works hand in hand with Ecclesiasticus chapter 7 and 36. Therefore, when you make a decision, you always keep in mind, you know, am I doing the right thing? Because if I go off, it's, it's very likely that I'm going to have to be the recipient of his chastisement, brothers and sisters. So this is very, very key. This is how I learned it, brothers and sisters. This is how majority of us learn the fear, especially men. Because men only understand pain. They only understand force. Women or, you know, females, girls, they're a little bit different. But for a boy, soon to be a man, the only thing we understand is pain, brothers and sisters. Now, that may not be physical pain. It may be, you know, somebody break your heart or, or something like that. It may not mean, you know, he's going to bring a belt out of the sky and spank you with it, brothers and sisters. But nevertheless, you get you get the gist of it. Uh, Brother Cord, let's go to Ecclesiasticus, uh, chapter 18, verse 27. Ecclesiasticus 18 and 27. A wise man will fear in everything, and in a day of sinning he will be aware of offense. He will what, brother? He will be aware of offense, or he will beware of offense, but a fool will not observe time. <laughs> Look at that. A wise man will have fear in everything that he do, brothers and sisters. And he will beware to not offend the Most High. So true fear is always cognizant of the consequences for offending God, brothers and sisters. Could you read that one more time, brother? Verse 27. A wise man will fear in everything. And in the day of sinning, he will beware of offense. But a fool will not observe time. See, a fool is not even considering, brothers and sisters. They're just making choices, you know, without any thought to it of, you know, how would the most high feel about this? See, so the fear of God repels sin and keeps it at bay, brothers and sisters. The fear of the Lord is a motivation for us to avoid doing evil. This is why we must... Um, this is why we must learn this fear, brothers and sisters. A wise man fears in all decisions he makes. And in the day of sin, he will be aware of offense. See, that's the key. Do you fear offending him, brothers and sisters? Your number one commitment have to be to pleasing him above anything else, brothers and sisters. Your number one commitment have to be to the Most High before any individual before any individual, brothers and sisters. So this is key. This changed my life dramatically, brothers and sisters. This particular piece of information changed my life dramatically because every time I made a decision that I really wasn't sure if this is right or this wrong or am I going the right direction, I always thought about consequences. If I'm wrong, are the consequences worth what I think I'm going to be obtaining for doing, making this decision? Uh, I'm nah. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> See, that's what wisdom is. That's why he said a wise man will fear and everything. If you make choices and don't even, you know, don't even give thought to what the Most High is thinking or how he would feel, you're a fool according to the Bible. 
You're a fool. Nebuchadnezzar had to learn this, brothers and sisters. Before he was taken down and killed, he had to be he had to get broken down to his knees. And he understood. Because what he feared the most, which was losing his authority, losing his power, losing his influence, the most high, you know, gave him a little sample of that for a short time. Just gave him a little sample to keep him honest. That's where the mercy comes in, because the most high could just kill us off for a lot of these sins, but he don't wanna he doesn't want to do that. He wants you, you know, and I just to learn our lesson and to you know, operate within application of godly fear, brothers and sisters. Wise man or woman will fear in everything and always be aware not to offend the Most High. Brother Cor, let's go to Jeremiah, brother. Let's go back to the Old Testament. We're going to go to Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 32. A God to be feared. Jeremiah 2 and 32. Can a maid forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. Now remember, the previous scripture said that we should always remember, brothers and sisters, or be aware of offending him. And Jeremiah says what, brother? Can a maid forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? How unlikely. Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. Brothers and sisters, the Most High shows by this comparison how perverted the minds of our people are, brothers and sisters. We value him less than girls value their jewelry. You know, especially Israelite women. The Judeans, Benjamin, Judah, and Levi, they love their jewelry, their earrings and bracelets and all that stuff. <laughs> They don't forget that stuff, brothers and sisters. They don't forget to do their hair in the morning before they leave the house. And those of our sisters who wear makeup, they don't forget that. Yet my people have forgotten me for days without number. See, we don't even consider, brothers and sisters. Could you read that one more time before we move on, brother? Jeremiah 2 and 32. Can a maid forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. So brothers and sisters, according to this particular text, we gallivant through life impetuously with disregard for what pleasure, uh, excuse me, what pleases the most high God. That's key. If you fear him, you always keep this in mind. Why? Because you don't want to hurt the one that you supposedly love. It's just like a man who's in a relationship with a woman. The decisions that he makes, usually in the front of his mind, also with the sister who's in a relationship with the brother. The decisions that we make, we always think about, uh, would she be mad if I didn't come home tonight? Would she be mad if I went here? Would he be mad if I didn't answer the phone? So you'll do that for a woman. You'll do that for a man. <laughs> what about he who created that man or that woman? See? Brother Corey, uh, we're going to go into the segment of our particular broadcast that now defines what the fear of the Most High is. Because we've now, we've used literature, uh, biblical literature that is, to show us how he instills that fear. Now we need to define that fear, brothers and sisters. Because it's different than being afraid, 
We're going to show you, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Psalms chapter. Let's go to chapter 111, brother Corey. Let's check out verse 10. Psalms 111, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. His praise endureth forever. Look at that, brothers and sisters. Could you read that one more time, brother? Verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. Now that's key. Because David understood the connection between the fear of the Most High and obedience, brothers and sisters. So we must choose the fear of the Lord if we're going to embrace wisdom in all our attributes. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. His praise endureth forever. See, that's key. So here we are. We're utilizing the literature, the text, to define what godly fear is. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. You don't have wisdom if you don't fear the Most High. See, that's why I ask a Christian that. <laughs> I ask a Christian flat out, you fear the Most High? Well, nah, why shouldn't I, why should I fear him? And then I take him right to Psalms 111 and 10. <laughs> the fear of the Most High is the beginning of wisdom. See, this is what you have to do, brothers and sisters. You have to set them up. You set them up, and then you pull the rug right from underneath of their feet to show them they don't know what they're talking about. And since we've already had the evidence that you don't know what you're talking about, allow us to show you the scriptures that will help you gain, grasp and understand it. The fear of the Most High is the beginning of wisdom. So it doesn't matter if you got more degrees than a thermometer. If you don't fear the Most High, you're going to have more problems than a math book, brothers and sisters. Brother Corey, let's go to Proverbs 8 and 13. Let's see what we can find here. Proverbs 8 and 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogancy in the evil way in the forward mouth do I hate. Look at that closely, brothers and sisters. Could you read that one more time, brother? Verse 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogancy in the evil way and the forward mouth do I hate. The fear of the Lord is a reverential desire to please him and is measured by our hatred of things he hates, brothers and sisters. Why do we go here? Because we're defining what the fear of the Lord looks like or what it is. It begins, uh, it's the beginning of wisdom. And it also is the desire to hate the things that he also hates, brothers and sisters. Could you read that one more time? Because I, I don't want, there's something key here, brothers and sisters. Proverbs 8 and 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the forward mouth do I hate. Now, this is key because this particular text, a progression is being shown because it says to hate evil, pride and arrogancy in the evil way in the forward mouth do I hate. So first it shows you, you know, the pride and arrogancy that's in the heart, brothers and sisters. And it progresses into actions, which is the evil way. See, brothers and sisters, it's a progression from the heart to the behavior. So godly fear, according to this text, is to hate evil. 
And this definition suggests the kind of conduct the proper fear of God produces, brothers and sisters. So a person could say, well, yeah, I fear the most high, but I'm going to, you know, I'm going to eat pork and I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going to go to church on Sunday and I'm going to celebrate Christmas. <laughs> you don't fear the most high. You're, you're a liar. I'm sorry to say, it, but but you're a liar. And that's what I tell when I, you know, when I run into some Mormons, some, some young kids who don't know anything, you know, and they're trying to invite me to church on Sunday or whatever the case may be. I tell them, I'm too, listen, I fear the most high. The last time I did that, brother, I ended up on a slave ship, a slave ship and, and put on another land, brother. So for you, you, you may be able to eat all the unclean foods and, and put a, a Nimrod stick in your house, also known as a Christmas tree. But I fear the most high. And the last time I disobeyed him, brother, my whole race, my, you know, my whole family, my whole nation went into slavery. And when I say that, they just, there's no response, really. And that's what I tell, you know, I'm too afraid, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm too fearful to celebrate Christmas. I'm too fearful to be spending money uh, devoid of grace, brothers and sisters, on the Sabbath. The fear is a great stimulant, brothers and sisters. Godly fear, that is. But not to say to fear man or fear your job or any of these things. I fear the most high above all things, brothers and sisters. I fear of disappointing him. And that helps me stay on the right path. And it will do the same for each and every person listening to this broadcast, brothers and sisters. But first, we have to learn what it is, as Psalms tells us. The fear of the Lord is not natural to us. It's something that must be learned. It's a learned behavior, brothers and sisters. And today we are learning that particular behavior. Now, we've dealt with defining what godly fear is. We've dealt with how it is instilled into our hearts, brothers and sisters. And now we have to go into what is the evidence of godly fear. What is the evidence? In order to find that answer, we have to go into Ecclesiasticus in the Apocrypha. We're going to have Brother Corey read chapter 1, verse 21. Ecclesiasticus 1 and 21. The fear of the Lord driveth away sin. It does what, brother? It driveth away sins. And where it is present, it turneth away wrath. Look at that. The fear of God is a powerful remedy for sin, a, a, a potent spiritual vaccine, brothers and sisters. Could you read that one more time, brother? Verse 21, the fear of the Lord driveth away sins, and where it is present, it turneth away wrath. See, so here we're showing, or the Bible is showing, what is the evidence that you possess godly fear? And according to this text, authentic fear keeps us within boundaries, brothers and sisters. So here's the evidence of the proper response to godly fear. It should drive away sins. Where it's present, it turneth away wrath. Why? Because wrath, we already read, is a result of disobedience, brothers and sisters. This is why it's important. And this is why Christians don't, you know, don't follow a law that's in the book. They don't even follow the Ten Commandments where it says observe the Sabbath. <laughs> it says do that. They won't even do that. 
They won't even follow the ten. Why? Because they don't fear the Most High. Now, for our people, for Negroes, Natives, and Hispanics, if we understood that we were the people in this book, and that our, you know, our environment and our condition, our present condition, that is, is tied to our disobedience according to the Bible, I think that would naturally put a fear in your heart. I believe. It did for me, brothers and sisters. Now, I understand all of us learn differently, but I believe, understanding that you are these people right here, and this slavery, this oppression, is a consequence of disobedience, I don't see how that couldn't instill fear in you, brothers and sisters. You know, this particular captivity for our people is the worst of all. Because after this, once we are freed, brothers and sisters, we will never break his law again because we understood what came with it. <laughs> Thousands of years of slavery and oppression. Christ lived over 2,000 years ago. We were, we were under the Romans then. We're still under the Romans, brothers and sisters. The eagle. Look at your money. Look at the back of your quarter. The Roman eagle. Look on your military uniforms, brothers and sisters. So over 2,000 years of, of slavery. Why? For disobedience? Brothers and sisters, I'll tell you this. Sin is expensive. It's expensive, brothers and sisters. Uh, Brother Corey, let's go to... Um, Let's go to let's go to Ecclesiasticus two and fifteen. Just one chapter over. What we're going into here is the evidence of godly fear. Ecclesiasticus two and fifteen. They that fear the Lord will not disobey His word, and they that love Him will keep His ways. Now it's showing you it's showing you two things: that fear causes obedience. And love is a result or love is evidence of our, of our obedience or our obedience rather is evidence of our love, brothers and sisters. Could you read that one more time? Verse 15, they that fear the Lord will not disobey his word and they that love him will keep his way. See, so if you love him, you keep his way. See, now that's what we were speaking of. True love has fear in it, brothers and sisters. You see the connection between the fear of the Lord and the love of the Lord, brothers and sisters? If you fear him or you love him, you fear disobeying him. You, you fear disappointing him, brothers and sisters. Uh, can you read that one more time, brother? Ecclesiasticus 2 and 15. They that fear the Lord will, diso will not disobey his word. And they that love him will keep his ways. They that fear the Lord will seek that which is well, pleasing unto him. Mm. And they that love him shall be filled with the law. The fear of God drives men to seek his approval in every part of life. Brothers and sisters. See so if you fear him, you'll seek to uh, to you'll seek to gain his approval in all things. Could you read sixteen one more time? Verse sixteen: They that fear the Lord will seek that which is well pleasing unto him, and they that love him shall be filled with the law. 
Godly fear implies that our desires are less important than his, brothers and sisters. What we're reading here, this is a manifestation of authentic godly fear, brothers and sisters. If what you want means more or is more important than what he wants, you have not found the ability to possess godly fear just yet, brothers and sisters. It's very easy. Would you rather disappoint yourself or disappoint the God that woke you up this morning, that woke me up, that woke Brother Corey up, the one that gives me breath? Who would you rather disappoint, yourself or him? And if the answer is you would rather disappoint him, then you're dealing with some self-idolatry, brothers and sisters, and you've deceived yourself. Your eyes are blind. And you lack godly fear. Therefore, you're going to have a hard life, brothers and sisters. Your path is going to be crooked, brothers and sisters. Because it's going to keep you honest by hook or by crook, brothers and sisters. You and I. Let's go to Ecclesiasticus 21 and 6. What are we reading? We're reading evidence of godly fear. Ecclesiasticus 21 and 6. He that hated to be reproved is in the way of sinners. But he that feareth the Lord will repent from his heart. But he what brother? But he that feareth the Lord will repent from his heart. Now that's key. Because according to this text, the embracement of his correction is the evidence that we fear him. How do we know, brothers and sisters? Could you read that one more time? Verse 6. He that hated to be reproved is in the way of sinners. But he that feareth the Lord will repent from his heart. See that word but right there, brothers and sisters? That word but is what lets you know that hating to be reproved is diametrically opposed to the fear of the Lord. It says those of us who hate to be corrected are in the way of sinners. But he that feared the Lord will repent from his heart. See? So you must embrace his correction. Why? Because that's part of your fear from him, for him, brothers and sisters. I know a lot of us, we get angry with God. You know, we catch an attitude. And we always say, you know, don't make your love so expensive. Don't make your love so expensive where you can get a, you know, you get an attitude with God and expect heaven to go bankrupt. It's not going to happen. You're not that important. Neither am I, brothers and sisters. So if you fear him or you love him, you receive, you embrace his correction. You're thankful for his correction. Why? Because he's trying to show you the right path, brothers and sisters. I would rather him correct me now than for me to be on that day past the time in which I can receive correction. And then it's just punishment time. It's just judgment time. I would rather him show me what I'm doing wrong now than to on judgment day to find out when I don't have an opportunity to reform myself, brothers and sisters. So here's another piece of evidence that would prove we fear the Most High, and that's embracing His chastisement, His correction, brothers and sisters. Brother Corey, let's go to Ecclesiasticus 
32 and 14. Ecclesiasticus 32 and 14. Whoso feareth the Lord will receive his discipline. See? And they that seek him early shall find favor. See? So embrace the blessing of rebuke, brothers and sisters. Why? Because it's intended to stop us from continuing on a destructive path. I know some people, you know, they hate when the Most High or they're reading the scripture and the Bible showing them, well, listen, brother, you got to work on this. You know, they hate that. The Bible, in fact, it tell you which much wisdom, with much wisdom comes much grief. So we understand that. But, you know, you ought to want to receive his discipline because it's going to make you better, brothers and sisters. Anytime the Most High show me a flaw, I'm happy. I'm happy. Why? Because if he showed me this flaw, that means I was making a mistake that I, I didn't see clearly. And now I can see it. This is where that renewed mind comes into place, brothers and sisters. Some brothers say, well, every time I turn around, it's something else. Brother, you should be happy that he's showing it to you. Because he could just kill you off. He's giving you an opportunity to reform yourself. That's called mercy, brothers and sisters. Could you read that one more time, brother? Verse 14. Whoso feareth the Lord will receive his discipline, and they that seek him early shall find favor. Now, brothers and sisters, if you receive his discipline, the result will be favor, brothers and sisters. This particular text is shown as the wise, recognized rebuke as a gift of gold, brothers and sisters. So this takes maturity. This takes time in the word, brothers and sisters. This takes seeking him early, brothers and sisters. This takes seeking to be in his presence, seeking to please him, brothers and sisters. This doesn't come overnight just because you know you're an Israelite or just because you've got baptized. This is a process, brothers and sisters. You have to seek to please him. And when he disciplines you for... Uh, making a miscalculation, you should thank him for it, brothers and sisters. Because why? You want to please him. So anything I'm doing unbeknownst to myself that is not pleasing to you, I would, I would want him to show me. Because I yearn to please him. I yearn to seek his approval, to gain his approval, rather, brothers and sisters. So first we went into, we used the Bible to go into how he instills fear in us, brothers and sisters. And then we utilize the Bible to show or to define what godly fear is. And what we've just done, brothers and sisters, is show what the evidence is. What is the evidence? What is evidence of godly fear? And we've just, we've just read a, a myriad of scriptures Concerning that particular topic. And now. We have to deal with. What is the benefit. Of godly fear. Brothers and sisters. What is the benefit. We're going to go to Psalms. Chapter 147. Verse 11. We're going to have brother Corey read this. Psalms. 147 verse 11. What's that say, brother? The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him, 
and those that hope in his mercy. Could you read that one more time, brother? Verse 11. The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him and those that hope in his mercy. Now look at this. We're looking at the benefits of godly fear. What the Most High takes pleasure in is the reverence and trust of his people, brothers and sisters. Those who fear and hope in him are the ones who impress him, brothers and sisters. See, it's impossible to please him without his fear, brothers and sisters. Could you read that one more time? Psalms 147 and 11. The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him and those that hope in his mercy. See? So we're showing you how to pleasure him, brothers and sisters. See? Reverential fear starts in the heart and manifests into our actions, brothers and sisters. He takes pleasure in those that fear him. This is very critical for Christians, brothers and sisters, because they've been taught against, you know, uh, they believe it's unnatural to fear the most high. And not unnatural, because it, rather it is unnatural, but they, they believe it's oppressive, rather. They think to fear the most high is oppressive. And that's how you know it's a doctrine of the devil. Why? Because that's what Satan taught Eve in Genesis 3, to question the Most High, to question the reason why to fear Him. He challenged her on her fear. He lured her away from godly fear, brothers and sisters. Could you read that one more time? We're going to move on, brother. Psalms 147, verse 11. The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear Him. And those that hope in his mercy. Now that's key. Those who hope in his mercy. Brothers and sisters. So trust. He can't take pleasure in a person who doesn't trust him. Brothers and sisters. Just imagine you have a wife or a husband or a child. And they tell you whoever it is. Tell you they don't trust you. I don't trust you. I don't trust you to be able to provide for me. I don't trust you. To be able to take care of me. I don't trust you to have my best my best interests at heart. That really hurts the most high deeply, brothers and sisters. He's telling you, listen, I take pleasure in those who fear me and hope in my mercy. He's a merciful God, brothers and sisters. That means trust him. Brothers and sisters, uh, please follow us to Proverbs chapter 10. We're going to have Brother Corey read verse 27. And for those who just came into the broadcast, today's lesson is called A God to be Feared. Where we're utilizing the Bible to highlight the importance of godly fear, brothers and sisters. Right now we're dealing with the benefits of godly fear. Proverbs 10. In 27, the fear of the Lord prolongeth days. What did that say, brother? The fear of the Lord prolongeth days. Long life is distinctively promised in scripture as a result of godly fear. But the years of the wicked shall be shortened. See? So there's, there's benefits to godly fear, brothers and sisters. And when we say fear, 
Fear is a reverent love and respect for the Most High that results in submissiveness, brothers and sisters. If you fear Him, you'll submit. If you have not submitted, it's because you haven't found that fear yet, brothers and sisters. So here we are, we're reading the benefits of possession of godly fear. Could you read that one more time, brother? Verse 27. The fear of the Lord prolongeth days, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. But what, brother? But the years of the wicked shall be shortened. Now look at that. That is the result of someone bereft of godly fear. <laughs> Your years shall be shortened, brothers and sisters. See? Godly fear, brothers and sisters. We need to find this. We need to learn this. We must apply this, brothers and sisters. Because without it, we cannot, we cannot gain his approval, brothers and sisters. He's not on your level. He's not on my level, brothers and sisters. For somebody to say, well, I, I, why should I fear? Because he's, he's the most high. I mean, who do you think you are? I'm not on his level, brothers and sisters, and neither are you. We're a million levels lower than him. That's why we should fear him, brothers and sisters. Because he had the power of life and death, brothers and sisters. He had the power of, uh, you know, someone having a sickness or being healed, brothers and sisters. He had the power to put a whole nation in slavery, brothers and sisters. That should bring fear on you. Brother Corey, let's go a few chapters over to Proverbs 14 and 27. Proverbs 14 and 27. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. Could you read that one more time, brother? The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. To depart from the snares of death. So, brothers and sisters, this healthy fear should cause us to desire to please him in all that we do. It's a fountain of life. So it should cause us to fear anything that might displease him. Brothers and sisters, the fear of the Lord gives life, brothers and sisters. It helps us depart from death, the snares of death, that is. So according to this text, godly fear is when disobedience no longer becomes an option, brothers and sisters. Could you read that one more time before we move on, brother? Proverbs 14 and 27. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. Now, this is key because it says it's a fountain of life, brothers and sisters. So it's something, the fear of God gives life. It's just like... Um, you know, a water fountain, which hydrates you. It gives you hydration. The fear of the Lord gives you life, brothers and sisters. A lack of it will bring forth a devastating response, brothers and sisters. Especially for the children of Israel. Now, other nations want to do whatever they do, then that's on them. But, you know, for the children of Israel, we have... Specific instructions. We have specific responsibilities that other nations don't possess, brothers and sisters. Why? Because we're his chosen people. He delivered us from Egypt. 
He didn't deliver white people from Egypt. He didn't deliver African people from Egypt. He delivered us. So with that deliverance comes a responsibility, and that's to fear him, brothers and sisters. What we're going into right now is the benefits of godly fear. And it's telling you that godly fear is a fountain of life, brothers and sisters. We're going to go back to the Apocrypha. We're going to go to Ecclesiasticus 10 and 21, brothers and sisters. Please follow us there. Ecclesiasticus 10 and 21. The fear of the Lord goeth before the obtaining of authority. What did I say, brother? The fear of the Lord goeth before the obtaining of authority. But roughness and pride is the losing thereof. Now that's key. Because now it's showing you a couple things. A fear of God is a prerequisite to obtaining godly authority. But also, pride, possession of pride is against the fear of the Lord. So if you possess pride, if you're in possession of that, there's no way that you could possess the fear of the Lord. Because pride and the fear of the Lord cannot go in the same shell. It cannot go into the same vessel, brothers and sisters. Look at that closely. Could you read that again, brother? Verse 21. The fear of the Lord goeth before the obtaining of authority, but roughness and pride is the losing thereof. Whether he be rich, noble, or poor, their glory is the fear of the Lord. Now that's key. No matter how much money you have, no, no matter what type of position you have, no matter how affluent or influential you are, your glory is in the fear of the Most High. So according to this text, or it's 21, demonstrating this godly fear is a precursor to good success, brothers and sisters. Could you read those two scriptures one more time, brother? Ecclesiasticus 10 and 21. The fear of the Lord goeth before the obtaining of authority, but roughness and pride is the losing thereof. Mm. This particular text has given us the forerunner to authority, brothers and sisters. Godly authority is never delegated to those who lack the proper fear. And this is very important for those who want to do the work of the Most High. If you don't fear him, he cannot put you in, you know, he can't put you in any level of authority. Why? Because we we read in, um, what was that, the gospel, that you obtain authority by submitting to authority. When Christ was dealing with that Roman and um, that soldier, and he was saying, you know, I'm a man of authority and I have many servants under me. But he submitted to authority. And his submission to authority gained him his own authority, brothers and sisters. See? If the authority that's over you feel like you won't submit, they're definitely not looking to elevate you because you won't submit now. Please use that information, brothers and sisters. When you're in the workforce or wherever you find yourself and you find the authority, submit to them. And according to the Bible, they will elevate you. Why? Because you have the proper respect. You have the respect for what? You have the respect for order, brothers and sisters. You respect the authority. You you respect the, the order that the Most High has established. When I go into other, you know, uh, other facets of life, brothers and sisters, I'm not the authority. 
And I have no problem submitting to that authority because just because Brother Corey and I, you know, we teach the Bible and all that doesn't mean when we go into a room with other people, maybe elders or, or whatever the case may be, depending on the, you know, the situation, we have no problem submitting, brothers and sisters. Please implement that, brothers and sisters. It will help you out tremendously. Even though you may know a little truth, you may know a little something, you may do a little work for the most high. You can go into a room and submit to whoever the authority is in that room, brothers and sisters. And it will benefit you. It will benefit the work of the Most High, brothers and sisters. I love to submit, brothers and sisters, to other authority. I love to show that even though I, you know, Brother Corey and I, we do the work of the Most High and, and all that, you know, which is good. We don't have a problem submitting. Because the Bible tells you to submit to the authority. Because why? Then others will submit to you. Why? Because they see you submitting to authority. But when you don't submit to authority, guess what happens? Then people will try to come in and overrule you. Why? Because they learned it from you. They learned it from you. You didn't submit to authority, so whoever you're teaching is not going to submit to you. Because why? You, you're not submitting to anyone. See? The fear of the Most High goeth before obtaining any level of authority. So you have to learn that, brothers and sisters, in order to be used as an instrument of righteousness for the Most High in the gospel's work. That's the first thing, because why? If you don't fear him, then he's in no position to trust you. He's in no position to trust you because we've had brothers, you know, get a position and then start teaching what they want to teach outside of Christ's doctrine. So that happens too. Listen, you just want to get some authority so you can do what you want to do. And, and that's not what this is about, brothers and sisters. You don't have the authority to do what you want to do. You have the authority to do what he tells you to do. And that goes for me. Probably more so than, you know, some of the people listening to this, brothers and sisters. We just wanted to show you that godly authority is never delegated to those who lack proper fear. However... The benefit of godly fear is obtaining of authority, brothers and sisters. Brother Corey, let's go to Proverbs 28 and 14. The benefits of godly fear. Proverbs 28 and 14. Happy is the man that feareth always, but he that hardeneth his heart shall fall into mischief. Could you read that first part again, brother? Happy is the man that feareth always. Look at that. That's the happy influence of fear, of godly fear, brothers and sisters. According to this text, there is a fear which causes happiness, brothers and sisters. And when it says feareth always, we should always fear offending the Most High. Could you read that one more time, brother? Verse 14. Happy is the man that feareth always. But he that hardeneth his heart shall fall into mischief. Shall what, brother? Shall fall into mischief. Holy fear prevents falls, brothers and sisters. Why? Because you cannot neglect his instruction without causing yourself harm, brothers and sisters. There's always consequences for following our, you know, following our own lusts, brothers and sisters. We will respect our own thinking Excuse me. 
Will we respect our own thinking or the ways of the Most High? Brothers and sisters. It says, but he that hardeneth his heart shall fall into mischief. Which is showing you what? Being stubborn is evidence you don't fear the Most High. See, so it's working both ways, brothers and sisters. The benefit of fearing the Most High and looking to please Him in all that you do is a, a happiness. I see even Israelites are not happy. And it, it's telling. It's very telling, brothers and sisters. It's very telling because if you fear the Most High and you're obedient to Him, there's a certain happiness that overtakes you, brothers and sisters. We're going into the benefits here. Let's go to Proverbs 3 and 7, Brother Corey. Proverbs 3, verse 7. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. <laughs> Look at that. Read that one more time, please, brother. Verse 7. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Godly fear should cause us to mistrust ourselves, brothers and sisters. Why? Because self-confidence leads to sin and mischief. It says, be not wise in thy own eyes. Fear the Lord, which is showing you that there's no way that you can be wise in your own eyes and still fear the most high. Doesn't work that way. <laughs> See, if you think too highly of your own opinion or I think too highly of my own opinion, that's evidence of a lack of godly fear, brothers and sisters. Could you read that one more time? Brother? Verse 7. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Brothers and sisters, many consider our own minds more than adequate to guide us through life. And that mentality will yield very clear consequences, brothers and sisters. Could you read 7 and 8 one more time, brother? Verse 7. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be help to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. See? <laughs> We're going into the benefits here, brothers and sisters. Life. It will be life, brothers and sisters. It will be strength, brothers and sisters. There's a power. There's health benefits. There's a power brothers and sisters, in fearing the Most High and departing from evil. Also showing that the fear of the Most High is to depart from evil, brothers and sisters. Proverbs has a wealth of information in small, short phrases, brothers and sisters. I encourage every person, especially the men, to read Proverbs. If you have a girlfriend or a wife or something, you know, read, you know, have her your wife or your girlfriend or whatever the case may be on a Sabbath, you know, just lay down on the bed. You read a few chapters of Proverbs because it's, it's, you know, it's easy to be understood. It's not like you have to put together a whole story. It's some deep knowledge. There, there are one or two lines, but it has a wealth of knowledge. Brothers and sisters, you will learn hundreds of things from Proverbs. So men, I would definitely encourage you if you have, you know, children or, a wife or a significant other to read this to her. You know, sit back on the bed, you know, let me read Proverbs to you. Let me read two chapters to you. There's so much information, so much quality 
information that Proverbs possesses, brothers and sisters. We ought to learn it. Now, we've gone into the benefits of godly fear, brothers and sisters. And we're going to end it off with the consequences of lacking that godly fear, brothers and sisters. What we tried to do was attack it from every different angle, brothers and sisters, to help us to be able to understand with clarity the importance of it and what it is. Speaking of godly fear. We're going to go to Proverbs 13 and 13. The consequences of lacking godly fear. Proverbs 13 and 13. Whoso despiseth the word shall be destroyed. What did I say, brother? Whoso despiseth the word shall be destroyed. That word despise. The character of one that's marked for ruin, obviously. Could you read that again? Whoso despiseth the word shall be destroyed. But he that feareth the commandment shall be rewarded. Shall be rewarded. The one who stands in awe of the Most High and pays deference to his authority shall be rewarded. Brothers and sisters. Could you read that uh, first part again, brother? Verse 13. Whoso despiseth the word shall be destroyed. But he that feareth the commandment shall be rewarded. That's key. Because if you despise, despise his instruction... That's evidence that you don't fear him, which is going to result in destruction, brothers and sisters. So according to this text, we ought to be afraid of displeasing the Most High and incurring the penalties annexed for disobedience, brothers and sisters. We ought to tremble at the thought of violating his instruction through neglection, brothers and sisters. Whoso despise the word shall be destroyed, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Jeremiah 5 and 22 through 25, brothers and sisters. We got, we got one scripture after that, and we're going to close out. Jeremiah chapter 5, we're going to have Brother Corey read verse 22 through 25. Jeremiah <clears throat> Jeremiah 5 and 22. Fear ye not me, saith the Lord. Will ye not tremble at my presence, which have placed the sand for the bound of the sea by a perpetual decree that it cannot pass it? And though the waves thereof toss themselves, yet can they not prevail. Though they roar, yet can they not pass over. Brothers and sisters, he's saying you won't fear me, the God that placed the sand on the sea to where the sea can't go but you know so far upon the shore <laughs> look at this closely brothers and sisters could you read that again brother verse 22 fear ye not me saith the lord will ye not tremble at my presence which have placed the sand for the bound of the sea by a perpetual de decree that it cannot pass it and though the waves thereof toss themselves yet can they not prevail and though they roar, yet can they not pass over. Showing even nature has honor, respect, and fear for the Most High. Verse 23. But this people hath a revolting and rebellious heart. They are revolted and gone. Now, who is this people? The children of Israel. The Negroes, the Natives, the Hispanics, the Cambodians, the Vietnamese, 
the black Tainos, the Indonesians, the Jamaicans, the Trinidadians, the Negroes. These are the children of Israel, the Mexicans. He's saying this people have a revolting and rebellious heart. Uh, could you read 23 again, brother? Verse 23. But this people hath a revolting and a rebellious heart. They are revolted and gone. Neither say they in their heart. Let us now fear the Lord our God that giveth rain, both the former and the latter, in his season. He reserveth unto us the appointed weeks of the harvest. The key is this next scripture, brothers and sisters. Verse 25. Your iniquities have turned away these things, and your sins have withholding good things from you. Brothers and sisters, where godly fear is lacking, there's an abundance of arrogance and ignorance, according to this scripture. And verse 25 says what, Brother Corey? Your iniquities have turned away these things, and your sins have withholding good things from you. And your sins have withholding good things from you. So being deficient of godly fear will result in a suspension of good fortune, brothers and sisters. And your sins have withholding good things from you, brothers and sisters. See? So to lack fear or to lack godly fear is a sin, brothers and sisters. You are to fear the Lord your God. <laughs> Don't you know that scripture, brothers and sisters? That sound familiar? You shall have no other gods before me. Brothers and sisters, I would encourage you to find that fear, possess that fear, apply that fear, brothers and sisters, and see what changes for you. The children of Israel, according to verse 23, 5 and 23, Jeremiah, we have a revolting and a rebellious heart, brothers and sisters. And the Most High will break you down. And unfortunately, many of our men have to be broken down completely before they're ready to acquiesce, before they're ready to capitulate to the Most High's uh, directives. And it's a shame, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to our last scripture. We're going to close out. We're going to go to Psalms chapter 25 and uh, verse 12 and 13. Psalms 25, verse 12. What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. His soul shall dwell at ease, and his seed shall inherit the earth. Brothers and sisters, if authentic fear is planted, excuse me, if authentic fear is planted into our hearts, it will direct you in actions acceptable to the Most High. How do we know? Can you read those scriptures again, brother? Verse 12. What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. His soul shall dwell at ease. His what? His soul shall dwell at ease. And his seed shall inherit the earth. So, brothers and sisters, it says, Him shall he teach in the way that he should choose. So that's key, brothers and sisters. The fear of the Most High has a restraining power by which it keeps us from offending Him. See, so if you fear Him, it will teach you what to choose. Why? Because if you choose this, 
This will offend me, son. If you do this, this will please me, son. It says his soul shall dwell at ease and his seed shall inherit the earth. Now that's key. Because look at this benefit. You cannot inherit the earth without the proper respect, the proper fear, brothers and sisters. So the preserver of this fear will be continually cognizant in the gravity of disobedience, brothers and sisters. This is key. What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. His soul shall dwell at ease and his seed shall inherit the earth, brothers and sisters. Please examine these scriptures closely. We're going to end it at verse 14. Verse 14. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. What did I say, brother? The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. And he will show them his covenant. Brothers and sisters. The Bible is written in dark sentences. In parables. He will reveal this, his secrets to those who have the proper fear. The proper respect. That's why we can go into this scripture, brothers and sisters, and a Christian can go into the same scripture and they'll butcher the scripture, brothers and sisters. They will butcher the scripture and we'll be able to understand why, because we have the proper fear. You have to first have the right mindset to understand the Bible and the proper mindset that you ought to have is to first fear him, brothers and sisters. Today's lesson, very important lesson. Um, today's particular lesson is one of our most important lessons. And I encourage, we encourage brothers and sisters to really go back on some of the information that was brought out today. Um, and do a spiritual audit. Do I fear the Most High properly? Or is it just, um, you know, lip service? According to the text, according to the literature, the evidence that should that should be shown based on our godly fear is this evidence that I possess. Is this fruit that I'm bearing or do I have a little work to do, brothers and sisters? Many of us, many, many, many of us, especially those of us who grew up in the Christian church, do not possess this, brothers and sisters. We look at God more as a friend. You need to look at him as your father, as the disciplinary, as the creator. First, brothers and sisters. Today's lesson was a God to be feared. We want to say, Kwam Yasharala. Kwam Yasharala. Sin no more. Sin no more.